<laughs> yeah, he says uh, Christians in the U.S. do not face systemic bias or violence based on their religion, and they do not live in fear of this type of experience. <laughs> That's the statement I was alluding to. You're listening to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. I'm your host, Daniel Fox, along with my great friend here, Thomas Balsamo. How are you, Tom? Hey, doing good. Good, good. Yeah. And uh, if it's your first time to the podcast, welcome to the conversation. Uh, this is a time when we're just kind of, I suppose, candid and open and vulnerable at times. We're sharing with you the fruits of our friendship, of just having a great Christian conversation about all things related to various aspects of life and trying to connect those to Scripture. And if you're back again after repeat listens, uh, we want to thank you for coming back and, and encourage you right at the outset. We like your interaction. We like your response. We like your feedback. Mm -hmm. And you can give us that at reasontogetherpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, and thank you to those of you that are our patrons. We give a special thank you to you. Uh, if you're not familiar with our patrons, they are the supporters of this podcast. Um, we uh, we certainly don't go out of our way to uh, to twist people's arms into becoming supporters, and yet right. we find that many generous folks have voluntarily chosen to financially uh, support this uh, content. And uh, if you'd like to become one of them, uh, you can go over to patreon.com slash reason together, and you can sign up at any of the three or four uh, tier levels that we have there, and there are some benefits that come along with that. Uh, so thank you to those of you that are patrons, and uh, again, that address is patreon.com slash reason together if you'd like to become one. All right. We, Tom and I were just talking about uh, a difference in the places where we live. If you haven't uh, heard before, Tom and I um, not only are somewhat different in our personalities and <laughs> no. <things> like that, <laughs> somewhat maybe an understatement, but anyway, um, we, we see eye to eye on a lot of things, but we even live in different places. And so I'm in the rural Midwest and, um, and you have to kind of drive you know, 15 minutes to get to the grocery store, not too bad. If you want to get to a shopping mall, um, maybe 45 minutes to an hour and a half, um, where Tom has to do the same thing. It's, it's just that it's 10 minutes, it's 10 miles away. For me, it's literally 90 miles away. <laughs> no, I say that because we were just talking about him uh, living in the moving parking lot. And um, yes, that's the way it is out, out there. But where I'm at, it's just kind of wide open. And uh, yeah. anyway... So where, if, you, if our listeners uh, live in a place where they drive a lot or sit, worse yet, maybe sit in traffic a lot, what do you do uh, to take up the time? Does your brain turn to mush, uh, you know, at about 43 minutes? Uh, I was telling Tom how I, uh, I get on a trip and I think, oh, man, you know, a seven-hour trip. Man, I'll be able to get all kinds of stuff listened to. And boy, I don't know, maybe a couple hours in, it's just like, hmm, <laughs> that mm -hmm. all kind of yeah. loses, loses flavor. And anyway, I start to go stir sometimes. crazy after a while. <laughs> um, roll down the window and hang your head out. Start yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just had to do something. <laughs> um, oh yeah. goodness. Um, before we jump into any topics today, do we have, um, some feedback or, um, anything you want to bring up? Well, there is something here that is in our list that says feedback on it, and that uh, doesn't say who that's from. Ah, uh, yes. Um, okay. Um, I talked to... Thank you. <laughs> um, you're like, well, I don't know anything about this. Um, First this is from a, 
a conversation I had just recently with a listener, and he was commenting on our conversation of the question that was another patron question or a, or a patron question that said, um, what is God doing in your life? When, when you're approached with that question, uh, somebody says, what's God doing in your, in your life? You sometimes feel, you may feel awkward, like as if there's always supposed to be this stirring, moving, you know, momentous thing happening in your life. And so then you're asking yourself the question like, well, you know, am I, am I, Uh, Am I backslidden and cold because I can't think of any like big thing that God is doing in my life? And we had that discussion. Well, he had an interesting parallel, which was really good. Um, And it's this, uh, where you feel kind of awkward, like, because you don't know how to define exactly success in that realm. (laughs) Uh, It's when people say, uh, what are you doing for God? Um, or because we hear in preaching, or we looked at Timothy, and he says, "Yeah, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution." And he said, "I have to tell you, um, you know, I've had a really good life. You know, I mean, and, and I have to agree that I mean, goodness, I'm I'm so blessed, and by blessed, I mean, you know, comfortable." Um, so, so then you say, "Well, I guess if I'm not suffering persecution, am I really living a godly life?" Um, you know what, and and then and then what is persecution? Oh, you know they uh, they slam the door in my face, you know, while I was trying to witness to them. And someone else says, "Oh, that's not persecution. Persecution is what they're experiencing in foreign countries where they're getting beheaded." You know, so mm-hmm. there's like a double there's a double edged question there of, of of one: Are you even godly because you don't suffer anything akin to persecution? And two: How bad does it have to be before you're suffering persecution? And I thought that was a good parallel to that awkwardness that maybe we face when what what is God doing in my life? Um, what would be your take on that when, when you say, uh, are you suffering persecution? And, and if not, does that mean you're not, you're not a godly man? Hmm. Um, it's, it's one of those things that I, I often find difficult to reconcile the concept of all who live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution with uh, a man who even his enemies will be at peace with him. <laughs> um, mm. I'm looking for that reference uh, do you know that off the top of your head? I will find it here pretty quick. Um, it's it's obviously in Proverbs, I believe, but mm-hmm. uh, I think it's Proverbs sixteen seven. Is it? When a man's yep, ways uh-huh. please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Um, that is difficult to reconcile. How do how do we reconcile that verse? If our ways please the Lord, wouldn't that mean that all men would be at peace with us? However. If we live godly in Christ Jesus, that verse is saying we'll suffer persecution. <laughs> yeah, I, first the comment would be, I don't think Proverbs sixteen seven maybe is exactly saying what we think it's saying. Um, when we say, when a man's ways please the Lord, the way we read it is he, um, whether that's the Lord or ourselves, uh, I guess the Lord makes even his, the person's enemies, to be at peace with him, the person. Um. And I don't have the full layout in front of me, but I've looked at it, um, you know, analytically before, and I don't, I just don't think it's it's quite that idea of look. If I'm living a godly life, people are good with me. You know what I mean? Because that's not um, that that's not even borne out in the example of the of the New Testament. So you're saying that our our traditional reading of that in English is yes. perhaps not correct. Correct. Yeah, the conclusion we're drawing there. Um, 
so so it, it I think it more speaks to an influence that the godly have uh, toward righteousness. Yeah. You know that as as we have influence on people and they see how we're living our ways please the Lord. We're helping other people to live at peace with Him too. But um, yeah, I guess uh, it, I guess the ultimate picture of that would be the Lord Jesus Himself. Right. right. Yes. I mean, exactly. His, his ways please the Father more than anybody's ever have. Right. And not everybody would be at peace with him. Really at peace with him. That's right. Exactly right. But his example certainly gave a pattern and influenced other people to be more at peace with God. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't mean that people were at peace with him. So to go back to the the Timothy passage, do you think um, to just to put it this way, and this may sound scary right at first, but do you think that is um, applicable to all generations? Which part specifically applicable? Uh, to yea, and generation. all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Hmm. To all generations, um, I mean, if I'm going to get overly technical about it, the phrase "in Christ" typically refers to those of this dispensation. Okay. 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 Good. I understand uh, the point that you're but making. But I don't there. think that's what you're driving at, though. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm driving at the point is, can we, uh, because Paul said in that cultural context that everybody who would be godly would most certainly suffer persecution, does that apply to a generation of American, <laughs> the American dispensation? And I know this sounds, I know this sounds liberal as it comes out of my mouth and it's not quite <laughs> what I'm, uh, not quite we've, what I'm driving at. We've been at, here but, before. It's okay. Yeah. So, but anyway. Uh, any any thought on that? Uh, obviously, I mean, just preface it. Obviously, I believe Second Timothy three sixteen, all Scripture is profitable, all yeah. of it is true, um, and and I don't buy into the um, well. We can't accept that part of Scripture because you know Paul was a sexist and blah 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 blah. Uh, you know his 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 take on marriage and women things like that. But I'm saying what he said. With all with, that all people would suffer persecution. Did he mean literally every person in every generation post church? I mean, hmm. post Paul would suffer persecution uh, if they lived godly. Well, I guess if that's what he meant, then it would have to be an absolute. Which I mm-hmm. guess is the uh, the contradiction in terms that uh, whoever it was that gave you the feedback is seeing here, because um, those not everyone who lives godly in Christ Jesus today suffers persecution. So, but at least not by the way we define persecution, huh? Right, right. The next question is, what is persecution? Yeah, but my my concern with maybe the flip side of that is if if we say that what Paul is saying there only applies to his present day context, then um, are are we not taking a license with our our hermeneutics there? I think maybe so. I, I definitely resonate with your concern there, and so I'm not I'm not. I'm, 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 that's why it's kind of going, whoa, as I say it, um, that's not necessarily where I want to land, but I have to at least throw out the question, um, for us to consider. Is, is that even a valid question to say, well, that could have just been cultural contextually to that age? Sure. Or well, do we say, well, there is a, no, there is a residual truth there that, you know, yeah. applies to. Well, there's a lot of things that you could essentially do away with in scripture just by throwing in there, well, that only had to do with his present-day context when it was written. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, though, like we already said repeatedly, if it was an absolute, then we have a bunch of people who are living contradictions to Scripture even today. 
Do you think there are, let me back up to, to that question though, uh, can we rule out things culturally? Um, are there any other, can you think of any other passage of scripture that seems to deal with a cultural issue that we don't apply today? Um, <laughs> foot washing. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Anything else? Kind of um, I don't know. Um, I, 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 I think, have no idea why that's the first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, actually, that was one of one of mine too. Yeah. Um, but is to say, greet one another with a holy kiss. Ah. Okay. Mm. Now, maybe in foreign countries they still kind of do that, but we go, mm, yeah, no, it's just not really us. Are we are we unbiblical or anti-biblical for not greeting one another with a holy kiss, or was the point, you know? Yeah. Greet each other. You know, be loving. Blah blah blah. You know. Yeah. Um, interesting thought. I, I, I don't know that I'm, I have to, I have to be real careful to stake out ground there, you know, uh, yeah. without thinking through it. But to, to me, that would say, well, look, if we understand, well, that was kind of a cultural thing, what he was actually saying, then can we carry that over and say, well, culturally speaking, they were living in a non-Christian, you know, a, an anti-Christian environment. Yeah. Where where Christianity was the scapegoat. He was literally driven out of cities by Jewish people, no less, uh, for for the faith that he preached. So it very much was a uh, a boiling pot, really, for Christianity. So it to me, it's it's no strange thing to say in in that day. If you live godly, you're going to suffer persecution. Yeah. If you had all claimed Christ as 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 the resurrected Christ as your Lord goodness you're just going to draw fire sure i think that's fair you know it kind of as you were talking it reminded me of uh our study through the proverbs uh that we're doing on wednesday nights uh one of the things you learn when when studying through the book is uh how frequently uh the writer alludes to certain things that are kind of general principles Mm -hmm. um and the classic example of this is train up a child in the way that he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it right and many people take that as an absolute promise and yet are baffled at the cases in that, that seem to be living contradictions of that. When children are raised the way that they should go, and yet they depart from the ways of God. I wonder how we can come to, to general axioms like that in Scripture and not see that that can apply in certain other places. Um, and I'm just kind of spitballing here thinking out loud, uh, could could what Paul is saying there be a general axiom uh, indicating that um, this world and its system is really not for Christian thought? It's not for Christians, uh, meaning it's, it's not in support of Christianity. So all those who live godly in Christ Jesus, as a general rule, will be rejected in some way to the point at the extremity of persecution. Hmm. Okay. Um, I want to look up uh, what 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 is that passage that uh, shall suffer persecution? Second uh, Timothy three twelve, I think. Okay. There you go, man. Good memory. Good job. Um, I was just thinking of the the word persecution. What the, that would that would say? Okay. Hmm. Wow. That's uh, that's interesting. I I hate to say it, but I would really have to the 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 print the thoughts that we're throwing out are ones that I'm not comfortable with landing on. Well, to sure. say 
even 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 the concept of of fully the concept of proverbs being principles and and saying the cultural issue you know say oh cultural or or even to simply summarize it and say well this is how he said it but what he meant to say was well i mean that was right. the inspired way to say it yeah. you know i mean that's the way god wanted him to say it so honestly i hate uh, to say it for our the the listener who asked the question but I can't give a good answer right now on the... Well, we are simply thinking out loud here. Yes, um, yeah. This uh, I th- this is the first I've heard this question, so, yeah, so we yeah. are kind of... Oh, yeah, it, you're cold on it, I mean, especially. but And at a gut level, I have to say, no, it can't mean that. I mean, but is that just a human response to say, <laughs> to, yeah. to prove my own goodness, to go... Well, I think I'm a good guy. I think I'm living a godly life, and I'm not suffering persecution. Um or, you know, yeah, and, and again, it, it, it all it partly hinges on that, what is persecution? Because if I verbalize my faith and I get some sort of censure for it, is that persecution? And if so, well, somebody who's willing to talk about their faith likely is going to run into that at some time, yeah. you know, when they try to, because people just aren't comfortable with talking about spiritual things. Yeah. So I just don't know how I feel about calling any such opposition persecution. Right. That's um, the other side of it. You know, I think that too often has created a victim mentality in some Christians. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, where, you know, someone uh, takes a track from them and, and throws it in the garbage can as they walk away right. and then they see it happen. And they're like, oh, I was persecuted. Um, No, no, you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> That's right. Just be like, come on, bud, pick yourself up, keep going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'll be all right. Pat, 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 brush, brush. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The definition I'm looking at here says to pursue, um, to prosecute or persecute, pursue with repeated acts of enmity. Yeah, and that that idea of making putting something to flight. I mean, that kind of action that would that would make you run. You know, somebody pursue, or maybe that's it, or maybe them them running after you, pursuing you in a hostile way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's like, so has the American, can, can nobody be godly in America um, because they're not allowed to, because people aren't allowed to follow us in a hostile way? Mm. Does that mean we can't ever be counted as living godly in Christ Jesus? Or well, that, or we just need to step up our game and really, you know, stir up the pot. Yeah. <laughs> stir up some rescue. <laughs> Well, I mean, you think about um, the word meaning, you know, like to press hard after or pursue relentlessly, mm-hmm. um, basically to make you run in fear. Um, are there other ways that perhaps the Christian value system is silenced today that produces fear or trepidation in Christians? Well, and that's a good point because uh, and you had another uh, uh thing on here, an article that I had looked at, um, and maybe we'll discuss that here as we'll kind of segue into that, but uh, the person made such a ridiculously false statement by talking about Christian privilege. Oh, yeah. That I was like, as in like, uh, that we're so privileged because there's a Christian bias, and I'm like, are you kidding? A Christian bias in our culture? Yeah. Um, You know, from what I'm seeing... There's a constant push, you know, or just or or hard, nasty pushes against the Christian ethos. Um, so if that's we could maybe call that a corporate persecution, 
that it's obviously you know it's obviously the uh, the push of uh, of a humanistic if not you know atheistic uh, anim- animosity against yeah. Christian values. Um, so so you're talking about this article here from the Christian Post. Um, yeah, yeah. Do you want to get into that one now? Sure. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Um, all right. For for those listening, the the headline of this is study links opposition to LGBT rights to desire for Christian dominance. Okay. So a study somehow links LGBT rights, uh, if it's opposed, it links that opposition to some innate desire for Christian dominance in our country. Yeah. Okay. Um, it says a study led by a University of Illinois professor suggests that Americans who oppose same-sex marriage or adding LGBT classifications to discrimination laws want to maintain a sense of Christian privilege. Uh, the study published in the American Journal of Community Psychology surveyed over 1,015 heterosexual college undergraduates who self-identified as either Christian, 68%, or non-religious. The respondents were asked a series of questions to determine their thoughts and attitudes about Christian privilege and power in American society, as well as whether they support or oppose discrimination protections being extended to people who identify as LGBT. Uh, part of me, part of me sees somewhat of the if the questions are phrased that way in this study, right. they're You're loaded framing, questions already. Right. Exactly. They're framing they're framing the question to to project. Uh, an image that is already not true, just by the very way they the, their their assumptions that went into it are already wrong. Yeah, and, and it says you know they they surveyed, um, let's see, uh, one thousand fifteen of these undergraduates who self-identified as either Christian or non-religious. Sixty-eight percent of those surveyed identified themselves as Christian. Um, we, we of course know. <laughs> And, and I, I think our listeners are on the same page as this as well. Not everyone who says they're a Christian really is, and and not yes. everyone who identifies even legitimately as a Christian uh, is is all that well versed in in what they believe. Right, uh, right, or knows how to, or knows the balance of that as it applies to politics, or knows how to verbalize it when it comes to. <laughs> Uh, defending yeah. their beliefs. Yeah, it's, well, okay. Yeah, Go so it goes on further. I'm going to skip down a little bit. Uh, here's a quote from the study. Although same-sex marriage is now the law of the land in the U.S., there continue to be problems with employment discrimination, housing discrimination, and other types of discrimination against sexual and gender minorities, Todd said in a statement published by the university last Thursday, which, by the way, side note, all of that is disputable. All of that, uh, easily. <laughs> Um, it says one of the key barriers to those rights has been opposition from some Christian and political conservatives. We wanted to know whether people's ideas about political power explain some of this opposition. In the study, respondents were asked to rank how strongly they agreed or disagreed with a series of statements, such as whether they believed to be Christian is to have a religious advantage in this country, and if Christianity is valued more in this society than other religions. Uh, the participants were also asked whether they think Christians should have a religious advantage in this country or if Christianity should be valued more in this society than other religions. Now, to that first question, you know, if somebody asked you, should uh, Christians have a religious advantage in this country? I'd be like, what are you do? What do you mean by that? Yeah. <laughs> what is what is, what what is a religious advantage? Like yeah. I get to go to church more often. 
Right. What, what is that? I, I don't know. Advantage don't in what area? Question. Yeah. Yeah, right. But then should Christianity be more valued in this society than other religions? Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's sure. only the foundation of the country. Sure. <laughs> well, you're, you're almost asked to not value your own value system to answer some of these questions. I mean, we're talking about yeah. a value yeah. system. A, a value system by its, really by its definition, is something you believe is right and true, Right. How could you reduce that then to something where you wouldn't think there's an advantage if everyone was a Christian? <laughs> right. You know what I, I mean? mean? Like, hello. Right. They want you to throw so your value system out to answer the it, survey questions. It's coming from a strongly multicultural approach that right. wants to level the playing field that all cultures and religions and thoughts are the same. Yeah. But go ahead. And, and I'm personally not a big fan of the agree or disagree question format. Um, <laughs> yeah. It basically, you're asking. The false dichotomy. Yeah, you're asking yes or no questions where you never get to qualify any of your answers. Yeah, right. So you're going to have a study by its nature that swings to one extreme or the other. Um, it goes on here. Todd further argues that since Christian practices and traditions are historically embedded in American society, being Christian yes. confers many privileges. Some of those privileges, he says, are institutional in the fact that government and school calendars in the U.S. revolve around the Christian day of Sabbath and Christian holidays. Now, can, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, how frequently do we see those on the left-sided spectrum of uh, political thought in this country trying to argue that there really was no Christian founding in this country? And, and now, and now, saying, now you want to argue that there was a Christian founding, so Christians are privileged. Privilege, yeah. <laughs> you can't just keep That's... changing your tune and moving the goalposts like that. Yeah, good point. And can I make that small side note that there is no Christian Sabbath? There's <laughs> right. no such thing as a Christian Sabbath. But anyway, okay. Um, <laughs> so right, it'd be like okay, yeah. Good point that you make, though. Um, you want me to keep going? Yep. Okay. He says. People who are Christian are not singled out or asked to speak for their religion on a regular basis, as members of other religions often are. Uh, um, I'm, yeah, I don't understand that. My big, my big. <laughs> yeah, he says uh, Christians in the U.S. do not face systemic bias or violence based on their religion, and they do not live in fear of this type of experience. <laughs> That's the statement I was alluding to. Okay. Do like do like sirens and right red lights start spinning right there when it says Christians in the U.S. do not face system, systemic bias. Excuse me. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm living in a theocracy, don't you? you know, where they <laughs> kill millions of babies every year, and uh, well, and what's, red light. Brother. What's worse <laughs> is that uh, how quickly a Christian in America can can lose their job by simply posting their religious viewpoint on social media these days. Mm-hmm. And uh, social media has become an increasingly popular source for potential employers to use um, to do research on candidates. And, 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 who can, and who can argue that there's not a bias there um, specifically toward one end of the spectrum, and it's not the Christian end of the spectrum? I mean, right. come on. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so survey respondents were also asked to rate their support on op- or their support or opposition to same-sex marriage, LGBT adults adopting children, and whether men who identify as female should be allowed to enter women's bathrooms. 
Christian students were also asked to rate how strongly their religious beliefs aligned with conservative Christian views. Uh, our analysis, and here's another quote from this fellow that did the study, our analysis uh, revealed that opposition to sexual and gender minority rights was correlated with Christian political conservatism and with the belief that Christians should be the dominant group in society. Um, can we just address for the sec for, for one second that there is no such thing as equality of ideas? Right, right. In other words, there are some ideas. I mean, let's let's put let's put chapter and verse aside for a second. There are some ideas that are superior to other ideas because of the results achieved. Mm -hmm. And there are not good things that result in a society that permits men to enter women's restrooms. Um, there is not good things that result from a society where uh, children are given hormone blockers in an attempt to change their gender. Um, right. There's not good things produced in a society where uh, children are allowed to be, allowed to be aborted on demand. Um, none of these things produce good results. None of them. And I think the results can speak for themselves. Um, so for someone to say, you know, I think these values should have precedence in society. Um, it doesn't come from a standpoint of, I think these values should win because they're mine. No, these values should win because they're good. Yes. Mm -hmm. They're and, better. And, and then, and then from a, with a biblical underpinning is that they're good because they're right. And yes. what's right does bring out good outcomes. And th things that are pragmatic and look like they bring good outcomes, if they follow falsehood, are ultimately going to bring destruction. And so to bring all the verses back on the table is to say the Word of God, you know, revealing God, uh, shows that truth and walking in righteousness brings good, you know, and falsehood, deceit, error brings destruction. And so, hmm. um, so to say that there is an equality of ideas is absolutely false. Right. Absolutely. You, you can't, because obviously uh, if an idea is false, it's bad. Right. It's not equal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. And, and two things can't be making the same claim for society and both be right. Um, there is such thing as and, the law of non-contradiction and we can't. Very good. And so go ahead. if they both can't be right, then they both can't be good. Right. What I think is interesting is he goes on to say that the study was not meant to antagonize or demonize <laughs> political or Christian conservatives, uh, but rather to learn more about what drives them to support or oppose sexual and gender minority rights. Um, no, no. Every such thing, this, this is really the tactic of how Satan uses this kind of uh, immoral thought in our country is... We're only seeing in recent days, really recent months here, um, the big moves that um, yeah. that Satan is making in our country. But these have all been in preparation for decades. Mm -hmm. Just by slightly moving uh, a little bit here and a little bit there, putting this piece, making this seem a little more normal, making that mm -hmm. seem mm -hmm. a little more normal. And uh, I think uh, some, some people in the political world call that moving the Overton window. Uh, you, mm. you start to mm. widen that that viewpoint a little bit to make all these other things seem a little more acceptable in society to mm. where now it seems like in 2020, Satan's ready to make his big moves because he's been preparing for this for a long time with little moves. Uh, so when the author says this is not meant to antagonize or demonize, perhaps that's correct. 
but it isn't neutral. <laughs> yeah. This is meant to move the window in some way. Hmm. And and to go to that statement, I just one last thought on this is he says, uh, but rather it's not meant to antagonize or demonize, but rather to learn more about what drives them to support or oppose sexual and gender minority rights. Well, the same thing that drives everybody to support or oppose what they support or oppose, you know, their truth system. <laughs> I yeah. mean, you know, the things that they believe. Well, duh. I mean, you know, it was just kind of like, so I wonder if Christians vote because they believe certain things. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what, do, I mean, <laughs> do we really have to study all that? And, but he kind of starts off the whole thing with the, so, so, you know, you believe, you believe that, you know, you should, Christians should be dominant. <laughs> um, no, that, that really wasn't the thing. Uh, do we think that Christianity ought to be spread more and more? Sure, yeah. Uh, like, as as the man, the one man responded, which I thought was a good response, I tried to look up, and I'm sure with a little bit more work, um, I guess I didn't look very far. Yeah, Sprig. Yeah. I went to the site, but uh, but that I thought, you know, some of his, well, I thought all of his points were really good in response oh, to yeah. it. I would like to read the actual uh, response article in its entirety. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, he, he speaks to the improper framing of the whole you know, discussion or approach yeah. uh, from being, you know, one of privilege and things like that. Yeah. But saying that, hey, if, if, if it's if it's true that we want all people to come to the knowledge of the faith, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he asserted that we're not seeking a theocracy, but he goes on to say right. that, uh, that uh, he warned that while self-identified Christians in the U.S. remain a majority in the U.S., their quote-unquote privilege is only numerical, is what he says. And uh, sometimes I wonder if even that is true. And that, yeah, I was going to say because that's because the Christian label is so broad. Yeah, you know, it's taking in, uh, it's taking in. If you if you can count all Roman Catholics in that realm, and some would even say bringing the Mormons into that mm, realm, wow. brother. I mean, you've got millions of people there who don't even come close to identifying with the scriptural. Uh, truths that we line up with, you know, maybe, yeah, but they're so called Christian. And they say, about, oh, look, there's, there's, you know, what percentage of the United States is Christian? Yeah, well. Yeah, which may largely explain a lot of the ineffectiveness that Christianity is having in our present day. Um, mm-hmm. It's just there may not be a whole lot of genuine ones out there anymore. Right. Well, good. Thanks for, uh, for looking at that. Um, and, and see how did we reference that in our last? Um, oh, I, I somehow referenced the Christian bias in our previous discussion. But let me bounce back real quick to our other uh, uh, question, just to ask our listeners okay. to give us again some feedback. Reason Together Podcast at Gmail dot com. Uh, and again, we're asking the question: Is is your is the gauge of your godliness? the suffering of persecution. And if so, how do you define persecution? And is that then to mean that if we're not suffering persecution right here in America, right now, we're not being godly people? Um, Give us your feedback and how you balance that out and uh, some different aspects. I'd appreciate that. Yeah. Good. All right. (laughs) You you had this other question. Can I throw this in? Sure. Uh, I'm just going to reference the label. It says, why is this weird? (laughs) But I have to say, if you saw the picture at the top of the last article we were just reading, that was weird. There was like a, a, a maybe a man figure dressed in a Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz 
um, holding a basket with like a rainbow colored stuffed animal in it. Mm. And it's saying, um, what, what, what was that? Um, oh, I got to look at it real quick. <laughs> um, I was like, Ooh, no, that that's weird. It was, it was a different post you're talking about, but, um, um, so there's this picture and I, and I'm not, I'm not a guy that, you know, is, is big into like slamming people and laughing at them and things like that. But I'm just, you know, let's, you know, let's look at this and go, oh my goodness, this is kind of strange. (laughs) You know, I thought if I had to march with people like this to prove my point, (laughs) I'd kind of be, I'd have to question my point. Um, you know, surrender Donald and, and it, and it's this person looks like Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz with like a, maybe like a sort of a pinkish unicorn in a basket. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Side, side issue for a second. Yeah. Someone, I was talking with someone recently and they were, they were describing their, how aghast they were that smoke grenades were used in Washington DC on American citizens during these riots and protests. <clears throat> and the, the fact of the matter is some were destroying things some were breaking the law. They were legit breaking the law. <laughs> Right. And smoke grenades were used to disperse some of the crowd. And the guy was telling me, you know, not everyone there that was protesting with those people was breaking the law. I got a real problem with smoke grenades being used on them just because they were there. And I asked him, if you're hanging around with a bunch of people breaking the law, why do you stay there? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Anything ringing a bell? Yeah. (laughs) It's like he looked at me with this blank stare like, I don't get it. (laughs) <laughs> couldn't see the problem uh, I, there i guess there's a there's there's a bible verse that comes to mind here a scripture verse he that walketh with wise men shall be wise but the, the companion, companion of fools, fools shall be destroyed mm-hmm. look hanging around with the wrong people sometimes you're going to get their consequences you know yeah and uh people are looting and burning and throwing yeah. uh frozen water bottles at police and you happen to get caught you get a little smoke from a smoke bomb well yeah Maybe stop hanging around with looters. Yeah, I just thought his, instead <laughs> of his anyway, first conclusion okay. being that breaking the law is bad and you shouldn't be around there, his first conclusion was, you know, the president is awful for having done that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Anyway, I don't want to get off on a tangent. Go, yeah, go, yeah, go okay. back to what you were you're doing there. Okay. No, I, well, I was just commenting on the picture at the top of that, that oh, article yeah, the, that you gave. I was kind of like, okay. The thing is, we're, my uh, brother yeah. shared this with me, um, kind of. Tongue in cheek, I guess, but this is a legitimate product and it seems bizarre to me and I don't know why. Okay. I I can't necessarily see anything wrong with it. Maybe, maybe I would if I thought longer about it, but what this is, it is called the celebration cup wafer and juice sets box of 100 for $25.99. I'm not going to plug it, but I'm not going to tell you where it is, (laughs) but uh, you can go something. I can buy this. For you it. can even get it up to a box of five hundred. What it is? It is individual serving uh, servings of uh, communion uh, elements. So you have what right. looks like a tiny little, like you know, what Keurig K cups are. It kind of yes, kind of looks like, the like creamer that. cups. Yeah, or like mm-hmm. creamer cups. Yeah. Yep. And uh, it's got grape juice in it, and the lid has a little compartment in it that you peel back, and it reveals a piece of wafer in there. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of wafer, matzo or something. I don't know, but it's got the little wafer in the lid and then it's got the grape juice in the cup and they're disposable. And you buy these in a box of 100 and you set them at the back door of the church on the day that you're having communion or the Lord's supper, as we like to call it. And people can grab these on their way in. Why does this seem weird to me? Am I being prudish that this is just no, abnormal? I mean, I, 
It, well, it is abnormal um, because it's just it's uh, it's it's demonstrating the marketing essentially of um, of a an ordinance of the church that just kind of amplifies um, what do you call it um, ease of amplifies simplicity. Uh, so, and that's not the word I'm looking for. Simplicity, um, convenience, and convenience. Thank you. It just amplifies convenience. Now, is there anything technically wrong about prepackaging juice and a wafer? No. I mean, it's the correct elements. Yeah. And and <laughs> uh, I would. I mean, if it. I wouldn't even say that there's necessarily something wrong with a company making money doing this. No. 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 Uh-uh. No more than I would say that it isn't wrong for a Bible publisher to make money printing Bibles. Yeah, right. Um, and I mean, honestly, everybody has to go through a process. I mean, we're still, we may not get it in prepackaged cups, but we're still buying a package of unleavened bread, and we're still going to the store and buying a bottle of bottle yeah. of grape juice, and then and then putting it into individual cups. It's just how far it's been uh, been convenienceized, if you will, um, to yeah. make it easy. But, but of course, their selling point uh, is that. You know, you can take this into nursing homes and to retreats and camps or whatever, which would be places we've already kind of talked about that in another episode. But to go, no, this belie- this belongs in the local church, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, but they're kind of, you know, this is easy to transport with you too if you have your communion somewhere else or in different groups of people or whatever. But um, yeah. anyway, ultimately, it's not wrong. Is it a little weird? Yeah, just yeah. <laughs> it's one step further than we've gone before. And bonus, but they're recyclable. <laughs> hey, hey, recyclable. How are they recyclable? You, you send the plastic cups back in or something? I don't know. Put them in your recycle bag. <laughs> um, other users also purchased anointing oil, pack of six vials. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there you go. Amen. Uh, <laughs> All right. And now I have, to, I have to throw in one little funny that if it goes past the expiration date, you might have to give it to the church down the road <laughs> if they don't use unfermented juice. <laughs> oh, boy. Just kidding. Oh, boy. Okay. Anyway. Do we have time for one may... more? Yeah. Okay. Um, um, well, yeah, we just have time. Yeah. You have some interesting ones on here. Um, what's this last one down here? Um, that's going to be get, get into a longer discussion, okay. um, I think. But um, let me ask. let me ask this one. Um, does it, you know, when, when a Christian goes into a secular, uh, university, knows that he's going into territory where a humanistic view is going to be taught, you know, pretty much across the humanities and whatever, <laughs> whatever that refers to these certain subjects, maybe not mathematics so much as history and philosophy and psychology, um, but obviously he's going to run into, uh, an evolutionary mindset, things like that, um, and so we, at least I would say, I, w- I would think, you know, I've kind of been prepped to think that, boy, if you're going to go into a situation like that, you need to be ready to engage the professor, stand up for your views, you know, defend Christianity and things like that. Um, but then I guess I started to wonder, does a student have an obligation to disagree with the teacher if the teacher is espousing and advocating wrong views? Or is there a point where he just goes, look, that's the, that's the course material. I mean, at what point does he engage? Does he pick apart like everything that the teacher disagrees with? Uh, because honestly, you can go to get a Christian education and you'll disagree on biblical interpretation. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I'm saying? So yeah. then do I bring up, well, I actually, actually, Professor, I don't agree with that, even though it's a, like a tangential issue. Yeah. Be like, you know, we're just referencing this, this, this verse, and he, you know, he uses it to support something. And I go, oh, actually, I think that verse means, well, or is it just kind of going, yeah, but that's not really the point. The point is that we're teaching this here, and you get the point. Um, yeah. In university classes, you know, does a, does a Christian have to go in there and, you know, kind of be ready, like, oh, man, uh, he says something about Christianity, and boom, like, jump on every one, or where's, where's the dividing line there? Ah, well, that's a deep question. I think there are okay. going to be times where you you should uh, vocalize disagreement in some way. Uh, and I agree. I, I think there's always the need to be prepared to do so. Um, I, I think if there's ever a time where you're not going to vocalize it, don't let it be because you aren't prepared. Um, be prepared Good. to disagree if you need to. However, there's another part of me that says if you're there to reach a goal of some kind, you know, why, why a Christian is in that, in that setting is, is up to each person to decide. Part of me says there might be times where you need to, you know, um, just keep quiet now, you know, and fight later, you know, achieve your goal now Mm -hmm. and fight later. But another part of me says, if you're ever in a circumstance where in order to get the answer right, you have to write something you don't believe. That's where I think I have a struggle. Mm, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. don't think I could just lie like that just to appease a professor. Um, I think I would want to have a respectful conversation with the professor, um, probably not in front of the class, and say, listen, you've kind of put me in a, a bind here in a box where I can't get this right unless I agree with you. And you need to acknowledge that there are other viewpoints on this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I doubt they're typically approached like that. Um, no, probably not. And, and, and honestly, I, I haven't been in that environment, so I don't know just, but I, I can imagine that if the whole perspective is, you know, even some of what we're seeing in our culture and they say, you know, well, America was founded, you know, to, uh, you know, to enshrine slavery and Christians, you know, uh, it, actually it was, it was cause people came here to get gold and um, blah blah blah, and Christianity is is about you know a bunch of fairy tale myths, and I mean I mean they're gonna they're gonna come at this con- maybe an almost constant flow of thought processes that are that are contrary to what you believe. Sure, you know you know why. So sometimes you be like, Christian privilege <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> That's right, because obviously there's a systemic bias towards Christianity. Oh yeah, obviously. Um, and so. Yeah, p- choosing choosing which things to battle, like to you know, if they say you know, uh, so Moses actually, you know, you know, scholars tell us Moses actually crossed the Reed Sea, not the Red Sea, and so he went through ankle deep water or whatever, you know, maybe that point you go look, um, liberal scholarship may say that, but it's evident that you know whatever, and and make your case, but to say that um, the pilgrims were actually whatever, I mean, yeah, it's like. Yeah. Do you argue every point, and at what point do you say that the teacher is going to get frustrated and yeah. shut, totally shut you down because you can't get anything taught? Yeah, even though even though the majority of what they're teaching is from. <laughs> and at a certain point, bias. you just seem argumentative, and and that's not really helping our our cause anyway. Um, and if you went into the class knowing that this is coming from a totally different perspective than what you believe, it's like you've got to expect that. Yeah, to some degree. I mean, do you? Are, are you are you thinking to change the teacher's mind about the way he teaches the whole course? Right. Or, that, that's what I was going to say next was what is your goal in, in disagreeing? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
uh, if a guy is a professor, uh, he's usually, not usually, and I, I hate to say this, but a lot of times they are kind of uh, pretty decided <laughs> and uh, yeah, not overly yeah. convincible or persuadable. Mm-hmm. But, but again, one last thought on the flip side, to be able to throw out some thoughts in a kind, respectful manner at times to just alert even those listening, the class, that there is, uh, there is good reason to believe otherwise here, but not feel like you necessarily have to win the debate right there with the professor yeah. on every contrary opinion. Anyway, I just, the thought crossed my yeah. mind um, as far as like, does he have an obligation to like, and I guess when it crossed my mind is uh, probably being in a class where I felt like, well, I have a disagreement, but is it really the time to, is it my position to like correct every, right? You know, every disagreement? Yeah, and or, it, it, or it, I say it doesn't always have to be in front of the class either. Yeah, um, good point. Yeah, yeah. So that was that's so that. short answer. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. All right. It depends. <laughs> pick pick your battles wisely and uh, and fight yeah. them in the right places. That so. that that's a classic right example reasons. of this podcast right there. <laughs> Is uh, a lot of our questions come down into the realm of uh, matters of conscience and uh, each personal uh, each Christian personally deciding uh, in that moment as they're led of the Lord what they should do and and our answers are oftentimes like that. You know, it depends. But and, and I hope that that encourages and helps some of the listeners um, to say, you know, maybe they've been raised in, in an environment where everything is black and white, and it's black and white according to what I tell you. Um, and so, you know, this, you know, we apply this to every situation that if, if you're going to be godly, you're going to take up the cause every time, boom, boom, you know, or whatever the, the situation might be. And this is how you apply it. Um, and maybe somebody's comforted to go, you know, I never totally bought that, but I feel like at times that there's, um, there's a liberty of conscience there and, and I'm allowed to at least think through it and ask some questions without being called a heretic, uh, or, you know, or disloyal or whatever. Um, so does that make sense? What I'm trying to say? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I hope, I hope the conversation, the openness of the conversation encourages folks to be willing to think. Now, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't land on some principled decisions, but questions aren't just always that easy. In fact, they're probably yeah. almost never that easy. It's just that you have to think through the different ramifications and the logical conclusions and uh, parallel thoughts, you know, and say, boy, what, what is the right, the right decision in this matter? And so we don't, uh, we, as we've said before, we're not necessarily here to give you all the answers, no. but uh, to help you reason through things. So thanks again for listening, and uh, thank you again to our patrons over at patreon.com slash reason together. And for all of you, if you want to give us your feedback one more time, it's reasontogetherpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for being here again. We are encouraging balanced developing perspective and connecting faith to practice. This is Reason Together.